Thick and Fabulous with Chantella Whitfield is all about women, especially women of color in our 40s and older. I sit down and have open and honest conversations about love, sex, relationships, our children, and the world around us in a safe and judgment-free space. Sit back, relax, and embrace being Thick and Fabulous. The recording you are about to listen to may not be suitable for children. So if your kids are in the room, please send them away because we will be having adult conversations here on Thick and Fabulous. And welcome to Thick and Fabulous with Chantella Whitfield on Radio Lex, WLXU 93.9 FM. This is the last of the conversation series. This is Bays and Bays and Bourbon, and we are live here at Uniqueness Unlimited here in Lexington, Kentucky, with my wonderful panel of men and women. So um, I like to start my my show by and letting you introduce yourself because no one knows you better than you so i will start with the ladies first uh miss joy i'll allow you to tell people who you are no problem i'm joy berry hey uh i am uh new to this sort of <laughs> no. <laughs> no 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 i am a former host of urban conversations side by side radio uh, and the joys and lows of relationships. So I'm excited to be here. I'm an advocate for sisters, for black women, but I absolutely love black men. So I um, uh, just want to make sure that that's clear. Uh, for those out there in the radio world and here, I'm single, uh, yeah, and looking. <laughs> Hello, um, my name is Dr. Lauren Downey, and I am the owner and founder of the Trauma-Informed Counseling Center. So I specialize in helping men, women, and children, specifically black men, women, and children um, heal from past traumas. So yeah, and I'm also a certified sex education specialist. Hello, everyone. I'm Bishop Carter IV, um, the owner of Elaine Allen, a construction management company here in Lexington, Kentucky. I'm proud to be on the show with my long childhood neighborhood friend, Chantella. So it's a pleasure to be here. Last but not least, no, my, uh, my name is uh, Dr. Jay Gilliam. I'm a physician at Baptist Hospital, board certified internal medicine and pediatrics. Uh, originally from Indianapolis, Indiana, went to Kentucky State, thoroughbreds, HBCU for undergrad, uh, University of Kentucky for medical school and residency in uh, University of uh, Michigan uh, and uh, Wayne State, Wayne State University. And I'm currently uh, practicing internal medicine and pediatrics at Brandon Crossing. And so been a physician for over 20 years, married uh, my wife, Erin uh, uh, Gilliam, uh, who's also a uh, professor and also a PhD in African-American studies. And I have two girls, Avery and Addison, 11 and 16, or should I say 20 and 16. <laughs> going on 2016 i love it Jesus i love me. it um we're gonna jump right on in i think i want to start off with dating and relationships and marriage because um lauren i'm not sure are you married or single what? okay so so we got so we got three married and two single we we we're doing good we're doing good <laughs> so i want to start off with asking this question how do you maintain a sense of self within a marriage or relationship because you know a lot of people say oh that's my better half that's 50 50 which i don't believe in 50 50 i need you to come 100 percent with batteries including it i'm not trying to put you together I'm trying to take you out the box and let's roll. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because we all got our own issues. I don't want to be adding and healing and all of that stuff. So whoever wants to go first. I'm going to clarify the better half. <laughs> um, this is Bishop. Being that when you are in a marriage, uh, you become one and that marriage is one. It's not to say you took away from yourself one or the other. And for a good relationship healing, you shouldn't ask one or the other to take away or minimize what they already are. You may ask them to improve, and if you want them to improve, you should be willing to assist them or identify uh, in an indirect way on how they can improve. So, Santella, I'm going to go against Don't you. Don't stun them. 
<laughs> but um, other than that, I can't. Uh, now, what was your original question? How do you maintain that sense of self? Maintaining, I, I think, is growth is one mm-hmm. together. Uh, I was just sharing with uh, Dr. Gilliam here uh, prior to coming on the air. It's also everybody having their own place individually. Uh, I, I just recently, uh, I just had a fire pit put in, and I've been out there every night this week. And it just allows me to regather my thoughts, let loose, decompress from the day, and then I can go back in and play with the wife and the kids. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Anybody else want to add to it? Uh, just to uh, piggyback what Bishop said. Uh, okay. Yeah. Um, I think it also comes from a, a maturation standpoint because uh, I, I know early on in our marriage, um, it was always um, trying to figure out, you know, how can I let the other person express themselves, at least do their own thing and not be. Um, not necessarily um, always together and whatnot. You, you said that going to the pit was your escape. My wife knows for me, um, it's just a simply hanging out with guys and going to the movies. And with her, it's going out with her girlfriends. And so, uh, but I think having that within a marriage is healthy because you you need that release from that person or from that, from whatever it is. And so, but that comes with maturation and not be jealous and not be envy and not be, Oh, you don't want to spend time with me. You want to go, go with your friends and do this. No, that's my individuality. And I think if you have that in a marriage, I think that's very healthy. So. I like it. I like it. So let's, um, let's tap into this. So what do y'all think about the sex on the first date or 90 day rule? I'm just going to rip the bandaid off. Let's go. <laughs> yep. Ease into it, girl. Ease into it. Uh. Yeah. That was fast. Yeah. That was fast. Yeah. Slid, slid right. Dove into that. I just dove into um, it. You know, that's a question that that's something that always comes up. Um, it's personal. You know, I don't think any less of someone who has um, that happen. On the first date, it isn't for me. Uh, and for those uh, biblical folks, you know, it may not be what you're supposed to do. Um, but again, um, waiting a specific time frame to, to do that, you know, it's personal. For me, it just, I have to have a, um, a notion that we are going somewhere. Um, yeah, I would like to say I want to wait <clears throat> till I'm married to get into that. But look, that's already, it's over, you know. Um, <laughs> we done already, you know, I guess I could fall back on it and say, Lord, you know, let me start over. But um, I'm not sure, you know, about that. But again, let me just get back to saying it's, it's, a, it's a personal thing. Uh, again, I don't think any different from a woman or a man who decides to do that on the first date. It ain't for me. But I, I just, you know, it's, 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 a, personal, it's a personal choice. Uh, be careful with it, uh, you know. Um, but, you know, enjoy this thing called life, too. So, again, yes. let me just end it with it's personal. It's personal. Doc, doc, I was going to say, Doc, what you got on this? That's your, <laughs> that's, that's your forte. <laughs> I agree. It is really individualized, and so it really just depends on the person. Um, However, I will say, in working with clients, you know, we talk a lot about, we use this house metaphor. So, like, are we letting everybody into the bedroom? Because everybody really don't belong in the bedroom. Some people are out um, in the front yard. Some people are, are on the sidewalk. And so, we talk a lot about how to gauge of, like, are they a good person? So do they want to come in the house and cook dinner first? And then do you want to move to the bedroom? You know, so we have those conversations, or I do with my clients and with my girlfriends, um, just really about navigating it in a way that speaks to them, but also, you know, I really do encourage, like, we just don't want to let everybody in the bedroom because just, you know, it's a sacred, private space. And so, um, you know, you want to keep it secure. You want to keep it secure. So I like that. Okay, guys, y'all got a question? Y'all got an answer on this? Yeah. <laughs> um, again, just just to piggyback what what's been said up here, uh, it's personable and your choice. I will say this is my second marriage. My my first marriage um, only lasted eight months, so it's probably dating with a contract or somebody had told me. 
uh, but my current wife, we've been together for 15 years and married 13 years. Uh, and one aspect that we did um, in the relationship was defining it. Where was it going? Uh, and we kept sex out of it. We dated for a year and a half, almost two years. Um, because once you bring sex into the picture, it changes everything. Yeah, we did. Yeah. But, but wait a minute, wait a minute, but wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. But we knew where it was going. We, yeah, yeah. For the long haul. And, and it was one of those things that, um, sort of like if a blind person can't is, is blind, their sense of hearing increases. If they're deaf, their sense of visual increases. And the reason why I say that is because when you take sex off the table, it forces you to look at that person differently. You have to become creative in expressing your love for that person and vice versa. Now, I'm not going to act like a, a, holy, a holy roller and say, like, we didn't get close or getting, you know, because it was hard because I, I loved her so much and wanted that. But it, it made me appreciate what we had looking for on our wedding night. But it forced me to grapple with myself as a man because previous women, I could either get it easy or you, I never had a one night stand, but you know, date three or four. Oh, yeah, I was going to get it in. But with Aaron, it was different. So it forced me to express my love in a different way and do it in such a way that, um, you know, it did it in such a way that I, I had to be authentic in my expression for her and vice versa. And I know guys are probably like, man, you a good one, bro. Like I said, came close because we really loved each other but we knew if we stepped beyond that it changes everything and so um yeah so that's 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 just me being transparent but what i've been through but so i appreciate that bishop you got anything because you <laughs> bishop you give him that look like mm. i also want to get the medical standpoint so, okay. on can i ask this real quick does it make you do does it make men look at women differently when they give it up on the first date. Yeah, no, I wanted to go, I wanted to, to talk about how interesting it was when you named men first. Do men look at women differently? What about do women look at men differently when they are Good point for that yeah. on the first time? Uh, I know and we all know that we all look differently if it happens. For men, it is a tally mark. For women, it is going into the the tool and the field yeah, stats. Yeah, yeah. You know, and so that was that. That is interesting that we do. And I'm not saying anything about it because yeah. you're absolutely right that it is looked at differently if it happens uh, from a man's viewpoint than a woman's, um, you know, viewpoint. Just wanted to throw that out there. Any better one? I just want to put a medical standpoint on Ooh. it because I had a I had a brother come in uh, this week um, and um, said that he wanted to have an STD panel and had no symptoms at all, um, but he met this young lady and they were ready to take it to the new level. And I said, I'm very proud of you, man. That's good. I'm glad that you want to protect yourself and and, and do that. And I encourage that. Um, and I encourage anybody else, whether it's the well, first night stand, don't, obviously doesn't apply that, but the 90-day rule, if you're going to be sexually active, make sure that you know your status and you know your partner's status and you see each other's results. It wasn't you negative. I'm, I'm good. Right. You good. Yeah, I'm good. Yeah, yeah. No, no, because, because you want to make sure that that trust is there if you guys are going to take it to that next level. So uh, I have a saying that if you don't know, there's no go. Uh, can we add um, real quick? Can you talk about that panel? Because that yeah. panel doesn't, when you ask for an STI yeah. panel, it doesn't include everything. No, it yeah. only yeah. includes so, something. So, so HIV is definitely a, a number one. Okay. Uh, GC, which is gonorrhea and chlamydia, which um, can be done by urine test. I highly recommend it. Uh, one, because asymptomatic gonorrhea and chlamydia is actually a high risk cause for pelvic inflammatory disease 
and infertility in women. Women can harbor that bacteria in their cervix, in their uterus, several months to, to years if it's not treated properly. Okay, and so, um, so that's why it's important that you know that status. Herpes is is another one. Syphilis, and then the hepatitis panel. Those are the the primary key ones. Um, but you can inquire about that to your primary care doctor, and, and there shouldn't be any opposition to that. So, thank you for clarifying that for us. Um, so we're going to take a break here on Thick and Fabulous with Chantella Whitfield on Radio Lex WLXU ninety three point nine FM. In the midst of it all, we are <laughs> Bays and Bourbon live here at uh, Uniqueness Unlimited. We have my phenomenal panel here: Joy, Bishop, Lauren, Jay, and we're 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 chopping it up. So we left off about the the ninety day rule and and. Uh, your panels if you decide that you are going to be intimate um i want to know at what point is a person being too picky with their standards and qualities they are looking for in a mate mm. <laughs> they all look if you i wish y'all could see their face go ahead go ahead <laughs> uh so that, that was one of the things i always had a conversation with uh Especially, I still do now, but especially when I was single, uh, more so with the women. Uh, I noticed statistically of educated women versus educated men, there's an imbalance. So statistically, how many men over six foot versus how many men under six foot, there's a huge imbalance. And um, there's a lot of women, you know, that have a certain standard. I'm not saying anyone should lower their standards, uh, but you have to deal with reality. Um, and one of the things I always say now, I think just with anybody in any relationship, uh, with this day and time, when you hear there are so many others that are choosing people uh, that are just not contributing to the relationship financially or supportive in a way to where it's being one hardship on one person. Um, so I always used to say to women, I don't care if the man's on the back of a garbage truck. If he gets him, goes to work every day, and you love him and you like him, don't worry about his paycheck. If he can cook, if he's cutting the grass, taking care of the car, or whatever it is that is taking care of more than half or half and making the relationship work, there shouldn't be an issue about the paycheck. It's one of the things I used to make. Or it shouldn't be an issue about the uh, individual being under a certain height. So that's one of the things that's always statistically, I always say when people are being too picky about some of the things. You got one, one, you got to look at the statistics. I'm not saying settle, you know. If they're not bringing what you need for the table, but don't be overlooking someone uh, just because you already put them in the box. And they not driving the bins and all of that, and when they not bringing to the table what necessarily you are, but at the same time, are you bringing to the table what you're asking? Because <laughs> you know, there's a lot of women that'll be like, "Oh, he needs six figures," and da 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 da, and they ain't making six figures. <laughs> And that's one of the things, that's one of the points I want to bring up, uh, and not to sound sexist though, but a lot of times from a male that's doing something or doing well for himself doesn't necessarily have that qualification of detail when it comes to the female. If they like the, if the female's attractive, or if they like the female or they like the relationship, they don't really care about her job, you know what I mean? They may care about if she can take care of the house, clean the house or something, you know. But but I'm saying they really, if you look at the imbalance, you know, uh, when it comes to men, you know, if there's attractiveness and it works, it, a lot of those qualifications and vice versa, it doesn't really apply. Uh, one of the things I will say to all men, stop messing up the genetics. One of my first boss told me that if you're six two or older, don't go get a little short woman. I said it out loud. You know what I mean? <laughs> but uh, I'll go ahead. I'll go ahead and get everybody fired. You out of line. See, anyway. I, see, I knew you was gonna start something. I know, right? Solism. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do. I'm I'm on the side with you a little bit on that, and I'm learning. That's because you talk. I am learning. Yeah, but I do wish because I every time I see a six eight fella and the sister is like five five, you know, I'm like, girl, you know, there was a whole pool of men for you, and now you done took whatever little left, but. I am going to learn. I am trying to learn. I am one of those women who likes tall men. And I think I am learning that height. What 
value does it provide? And besides, you know, I'm attracted to a tall man, you know, do I, you know, can I, <laughs> can I do? Because I, I've had this, and this is going to be a little funny. I've had men say, hey, we're the same size, you know, lying down. And I'm like, uh, your feet, you know, dangling on my knees is not the same size. But, so, but I've seen women be with, and it, this is a woman thing, because we have the issue with the height thing. It isn't the men. Men will climb a, a tree. They don't care. Women, we are, we are looking at what society will be saying about us. And, and I, I'm, I'm trying, I, I'm better because at first it was like six, four, six, five, you know, I was all of, both of my husbands were tall and, and all of that. But now I am, I am, a, I'm, I'm, I'm at about five, 10 now. So I think that's, and that's probably about as low as I'm going to go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, because I have to feel comfortable and I last thing too I said something and it probably wasn't fair I said something to a gentleman that was smaller and I said you know what I don't think I would feel protected with a man that was smaller than me really and he yeah oh, wow he was wrong. it was absolutely wrong it was absolutely wrong and he checked me on it and I heard him and I that's absolutely right but that is just I'm being real with you that is just the incorrect information that I had in my head that you know, that's, well, he has to be bigger than me. He has to be taller than me. He, how is he going to protect me? And I'm looking down at him and, and all of that. And it's all false. It's all false. I'm getting there. But again, he's right. I will agree with Bishop. Height, we need those preferences and things that we are looking for in a man are not making sense. And I'm, that, I'm, I'm, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Uh, the money part, I think, is part of reality TV. I don't know any woman. In this room, because I know most of y'all and the ones that are out there that I know, we are not looking for six-figure uh, making men. Just a We're job. Not, because we know. <laughs> just a so, job. Because we know, we know that there's not a lot of them here in the city of Lexington. But we do know uh, these six-figure men can be just as financially irresponsible yes. as someone that makes fifty or 60000 Now, I would not advocate for you know at my age for an individual that is uh doesn't have a decent you know living i like things and and i'm sure that the man that i will be attracted to and connect to we we want to do some things so that there is a level of income that he has to have but again there is also a level of intelligence that he has to have as it pertains to money yes and how he handles it uh, be before we go on any further for those listening live on the radio um you might want to send your children away because we are having adult conversations so um i just want to put that plug out there and go ahead mr j i was going to say <clears throat> no 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 because I, I was listening but one of the things i, I think uh, one of the things i uh, just reflecting on what's been said um and even women that i've dated even to uh, to my wife is being transparent with God, what you want in a mate. And, and, and what I mean by that is, and I'm not talking about the superficial, the, the, the salary, but you know, how does that person make you feel or what is it that you're looking in a mate based on your priorities, based on your morals, based on what it is that you want. And once you pray that, God will give you what you need and not necessarily what you want. So because a lot of times when the package comes, let's say it wasn't the brother that was six, four, but let's say it was a brother who was five, six, five, seven, five, ten, and an MMA fighter. And you didn't know it. And you were talking about protection. Well, I wasn't, I wasn't, I, you know, you guys are walking down and somebody talks smack and all of a sudden you're looking at your man. Oh, he ain't going da, 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 bam, bam, bam. <laughs> the police are there like, uh, sir, do you know that you're in you illegal. illegal to do this? And then you're like looking at, I, I didn't, didn't know, know you could do all that. <laughs> yeah, I was trying to protect you. So oh. I think a lot of times we miss blessings in our mates because we have an idea of what they're supposed to look like 
but God is saying, I'm going to send you somebody that you need. And when that person comes and, and we'll be so judgmental when we look at it, we're like, what's he doing with her? Or what's she doing with her? And it won't even be hype. We'll do it with race. I'm just keeping it real because y'all, because, because if that person, well, I, I, I can't marry outside my race, but there's something about this person. What, well, he's Asian or he's white or she's white, but I love the way she makes me feel or I like the way he makes me feel, but I can't go behind that, past that because of the, the superficial. So all I'm just saying is pray about, pray about it. And I fervently believe that God answers our prayers and will give us that person that we're looking for. But when the package comes, listen to that discernment heart, because if your heart is saying past your mind, what your senses are saying is that spiritual connection, whatever that religion, whatever morals, whatever it may be, that might be the person for you. But you're looking at all the things that you wanted on your list of your wants. And God is going to give you somebody that you need. I like that answer. You better Reverend Deacon nah. Bishop. You better come on. Got <laughs> to say Listen, okay, so then I want to ask the ladies this. We we have our standards of what we want, but are women really ready for an emotionally stable man? No. Says the gentleman in the Says crowd. Says the gentleman. In the crowd. <laughs> oh, oh, we, we, and ladies, y'all want to uh, chime in? Or, go ahead, go ahead, go on, give it to him, Lauren. Go on, go on. <laughs> so... I will start by saying it's a hard no from the gentleman in the crowd. It is a hard no. Mostly because at least for even I so I work with women. I do a lot of um, therapy and it's based on like black feminist um, ideals. And so even working with uh, a lot of the black women that I serve, you know, we run this gamut and we go back and forth about like, well, you know, he needs to be doing this and he needs to be doing that. And I was like, well, are you expressing how you feel? Are you being vulnerable? Are you opening up? He said he wanted you to tell him that, well, no, girl, no, I can't do all that. I ain't ready for all that. And that's too much. And I really don't trust him. I was like, well, what? well then what are we, then what are we doing? So, so then you're not ready. You're not ready to open up. You're not ready to be vulnerable. So then you don't really want to find love or you don't really want to find companionship. Um, specifically for all the black women that I work with. And most importantly, we spend so much time on the concept of vulnerability. They struggle, we struggle significantly with just being open about how we feel, what we want, when we want it. Period. I agree. <laughs> that, that question of what's wrong with you? Nothing. Right. But you, something is wrong. Right. Here's but something is wrong. Say what's on your heart. So now I got I got here an audience member who, who verbally spoke up that we are not women are not emotionally ready. I want to get asked you. Why do you say that? Go ahead. Um, I say that from personal experiences. Um, so. When you ask the question, you know, that's why it resonated with me. So that's why I said what I said. Um, being able to communicate effectively, um, being able to, um, express specifically what it is that's wrong, what it is that's bothering a person, what it is I don't like about what you said or, or what you did and being able to stand on it. Um, it's not something that I've experienced that women, not ever, um, primarily here recently, um, that they're not, not all women, of course, um, but some are, are not ready to have those conversations. Do you feel like you're ready as a man? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> all right, all right. <laughs> we, we have it. <laughs> okay, go ahead, go ahead. I, I'm going to say this, and, and I agree with the brother um, in this aspect because I, I see it both in the clinic and reflect even on myself as a man in, in past relationships and now in marriage. If you're not ready to accept the vulnerability of a man, not only are you not ready for a relationship, but you are not ready for a healthy relationship or man because a man that cannot express his vulnerability to you in a safe place will never be healthy. He won't. 
And so I, I just want to put this imagery in it. Um, biblically speaking, I, 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 I honestly think there's a reason why not only God made, took the rib from Adam and made woman, but if you notice when that rib is taken away, now I'm going to the medicine aspect, the intercostal space, which is the spaces between the ribs, right? Okay. But when that, when that rib is, when that rib is taken out, there's vulnerability. The heart is exposed. So in a, in a, in a, in a, in a marriage, in a marriage, when the two become one flesh or any healthy relationship, you as that man's rib come in that space to cover him because when that rib is not there and the heart is open and arrows are flying and all an arrow has to do is go into that, that part, that most vulnerable part, his past, what he's dealing with aspirations, he, what he, what he may be hurt of. If you're not ready to deal with that with a man, you will, you will never have a, a healthy man or a relationship. So I, I just put that imagery on there, but that being vulnerable or having a man who can ex express his vulnerability and you be comfortable with that and have a safe place for that man is so important for us as men. I love that answer. It was Sorry. beautiful. I, I, I'm here for it. But I want to know, you, you're talking about vulnerability. Um, how do you have that conversation with your person about what you expect in a relationship? Or the or the lack thereof, what they're missing. So first, when we start having a conversation, at what point are we starting from? You know, where are we at? Are we dating? And from uh, the jump, I'm know, talking about from the from jump, and then out, you know, you can be dating somebody. You know, <clears throat> I, I'm going to say several weekends. I don't know how to go three months, two months, or whatever. But if you feel like, hey. You need to find out one where is this going, or what are you looking for, and and it doesn't have to be necessarily between the two of y'all on the first couple of dates. Just trying to figure out what are they looking for in a relationship, and then what kicks it off to when they're going to say, "Hey, start taking it a little bit serious," right? So that way you protect yourself either way on either side of the relationship as far as what kind of conversations are you having, and that's why I think I'm going to assume. You know, when we say, hey, who's vulnerable and who's been hurt the most versus a man and woman when it comes to the relationship, I'm going to say more likely the woman has because sometimes the woman moves a little bit quicker or is looking for more in the relationship than what the man is at that time, right? So then when a man decides to open up, that woman he chooses may be on that rebound end or she's ready to throw some arrows like with Jay, you know, <laughs> let her get her body count in for a little while. So, but anyway... <laughs> But I, I feel like, you know, it has to be up front, where are you going? You know, prior, even when I was in the dating world, like, I would just say I'm not looking, I'm not looking to be serious or in a long-term relationship right now. We can date, we can cool, we can hang out, you can be my date partner, club partner, whatever it is. But you have to be up front if you start seeing somebody more several times or whatever y'all establish. So that's what, before you start having all these open conversations, or how your heart feels, you know, you, you got to know who are you talking to, you know, you got to know that. I, I totally agree. Uh oh, <laughs> uh -oh Joy, come on, come on. <laughs> yeah, I, then I'll really, it did, it sounded great. I just, uh, I, I wish we could get to the point where we are uh, vulnerable to each other, where we're all truthful to each other. Uh, and really, that I, I, I hope for that, um, for any race, for any gender, I, I, I hope for that. I think, you know, right now, I don't, I don't know if, if most of us are really ready for relationships. And I was going to bring up from some past conversations, I was like, man, we, maybe there should be some counseling involved, even when we're dating, you know, um, in, in, as, as a couple. And then, of course, you know, we all should be uh in some kind of therapy um as a individual you know it i i just i'm an advocate for that all the way 
but I again, I it, it sounds good. I just I'm not sure if we're all ready to say in the beginning, you know, a woman comes and she's dating a man the first day she goes, listen, this is what I want. This is what I'm looking for. OK, a month in. Six months in, you know, a year in. Oh, well. I mean, you know, maybe. I wish y'all could hear the guests. <laughs> okay, okay, maybe I misunderstood you, and I, I will admit that. But I'm just like, well, are really are we ready for that honesty? And that goes from men and women. If he says, if he says, I don't want that, are we ready to say, okay, good knowing you? And move on because there's no sense in wasting time there if we want a marriage and he doesn't want marriage there's no reason to you know stay with him there's no reason to go to bed there's no reason to you know just have a good time there really isn't uh and so are we ready to do that and for men are, are you ready to tell the truth are you what, saying are you are, are will you part. say i'm going to tell her what she wants to hear so i can get what i want and then you know it seems like it's a whole whole mess so there isn't no blame on either side. I think we all can take, we well, all can take some blame. I mean, we're not arguing. Oh, I we're wasn't. having a healthy discussion. I was not arguing. We're Bishop. having a healthy discussion. Um, I was not. I promise you. But I just think you know, for both sides, I'm, I, I am for both sides, men and women. We have work to do, mm. men Green. and women. Yes. We have some journeys to take. We have some healing to do. You can look in your friendless you can look on social media you can look in your church you can look in your family looking you can look at yourself and say that yeah we there's some work that needs oh, yeah. that needs to be done go ahead dr i was i was gonna say this and and I, and just to just to because i got your back bishop i got your back <laughs> so I, I i i think when it comes to the vulnerability aspect yes there has to be some discernment i mean you may not talk about certain issues of your past or what you dealt with until you have a safe space. Now there's no time stipulation on that. This depends on where the relationship is going, but I will say this both for as men and women, if you are going to stick around for their potential, be willing to make a sacrifice for patience. That's, I mean, but, well. but, and I don't know what that is. I don't, and, and there can be some, it could be a point where, um, six months in a year, where is this going? Or this may be a deal breaker. This is the one thing I share when I, when I talk to patients, especially, um, dealing with depression and anxiety, I always imagine it as, um, individuals having certain color of marbles, right? You have a marble, you may have red, you may have purple. You may have a swirl, you may have orange, um, but those marbles represent the authentic you. You may not like red, mm -hmm. you may not like purple, but don't give up on the color, the thing that you have to offer mm. to the table because somebody out there appreciates your color, mm. whatever that is, mm. you have to protect that. So all I'm saying is in the, and that holding that color is the vulnerability. You're not going to share it with everybody else. You, there has to be some discernment with that. Okay, I didn't know you were dealing with that. Well, I just wanted to tell you about that. Or, girl, I didn't know you were dealing with that. Why didn't you say that early? I didn't, I didn't know when the right time was. So then when it's out there, the response is going to dictate how safe that vulnerability it is. And if the person across from you, that's a deal breaker. I can't deal with that. Don't hide your orange because they didn't like it and they had a purple. You can hide it or protect it, but know that somebody out there is going to, man, what you got? Um, right. I got an orange. You got Show a, and tell. Oh, I appreciate that. I was looking for an orange, too. You mean it? So be true to who you are. But as a timetable on what that when that happens, you can't rush that. I, I agree. So, yeah. So I want to ask, since we're talking about the trauma, I want to ask this. Does generational trauma dictate how you love or cultivate loving relationships and i'm just not meaning um i'm not just meaning speaking romantically but friendships as well go ahead doc you you the trauma expert let's go i mean <laughs> simply put absolutely absolutely um 
I spend a lot of time, again, you all, with working with black and brown men, women, and children. Um, and we talk about generational trauma and how it impacts how they see the world, how they see themselves, how they engage with everybody around them. You know, people who've experienced trauma tend to be more untrusting. Uh, they have higher anxiety. Um, they quickly and often can feel abandoned or neglected easily. So we think about all of those things and if we're coming to the table and we're not being vulnerable or just really understanding ourselves or where we are, have we done the work, have we been to counseling to make sure we're healed, we're good before we are even finding a partner? Because also that part. Sometimes we need to heal ourselves before we even try to get out here to find somebody we should be Amen. with and engage Amen. with. <laughs> um, and so in understanding more about trauma, what it looks like, what your family line has gone through, ancestors, you know, your grandmother, your great grandmother, your grandfather, you know, having more knowledge about those things, you can see yourself differently, you can see the world differently, you can navigate it better when you're more educated and knowledgeable about what your family line has been through. I, I totally agree. Simply put. I so. totally agree. Anybody else got anything to add to that? Oh, bitch, just picking no, it up. I, I Let's would go. compliment that because one of the things I was going to bring up is uh, amongst my male friend, my fellows group, and some of my good friends, uh, a lot of times they kind of refer to me or contact me or even uh, when we was a little bit younger just because I was the one out of our group that came up with a two-parent home mm. and was successful to some parts. Um, and then even my grandparents um, also. And so a lot of my friends would kind of ask me questions. Mm -hmm. Or they hung out with my parents. They will come and ask them questions, mm -hmm. you know, because their upbringing was a little bit different, yeah. you know. So a lot of times that's what I was going to say is it does have a generational or trauma or issue due to upbringing if they've never been exposed to that. And then when they have a resource and they see, hey, this is what I would like it to be. Um, it's been plenty of times um, that around the dinner table, you know, mm -hmm. um, my people would have to, my, my parents would have to tell them like it really is. Um, so I will say yes, uh, because like I said, I, I get that regularly um, as far as just having conversations uh, around the fellow. And I'm going to say not just me, some of my other friends that's around us uh, that's like me, we always kind of, take on more of those conversations for ones um, that did not have the same lifestyle like us. I like that. I like that. Um, I want to, I want to talk about boundaries because I think those two go kind of hand in hand. Why do you think we have hard time, a hard time setting those boundaries for the things that we want and we need and then sticking to them? Well, I broke a boundary today about being on this radio show. So, what? Wait, how's that a boundary? Wait, what? No. Wait, let's talk about it. Let's no, talk no, about no. it. That was just a, that was, was just a joke. It like, caught wife off guard when she seen it on the post. Oh, uh, <laughs> you didn't tell her. You you didn't communicate. It happened a little bit too fast. It though, did. So. It did. <laughs> but they got you talking about it. <laughs> No, I don't know. What do you mean? What kind of boundaries are you talking about? Whatever boundary it is that you need for you to feel safe, vulnerable, heard, seen, what, those boundaries that you need to set up for yourself. And then at times we have a hard time t sticking to it. We set those boundaries. I'm not going to allow this person to talk to me any kind of way. And then they do it. And then you make that. Ex well, they were having a bad day. So it's really not them, you know, me towards me. It's them. But it's like, but they still crossed your boundary. <laughs> um, one thing. Thing I want to say regarding that most people have what I call the disease to please. And so people are out here just running the risk and just doing whatever because they want to please everybody all the time. And in pleasing everybody or trying to please everybody all the time, you're hurting yourself. And your needs aren't being met. And like you say, you're not being heard and you're not getting what you need from anybody. And so then it's like your bucket's completely depleted because you've been out here pleasing everybody and no one's filling up your bucket. And so you're just completely and utterly emotionally, mentally, physically exhausted. Mm -hmm. And so when I'm working with clients, I was like, ah, oh, they start talking about, like, oh, well, you know, 
my friend did this and I was like and then I talked well did you did you say something to her did you, did you all discuss it well no because I know that she's going through something right now it don't matter what anybody's going through I still need you, you need to be heard you're coming here telling me about it I'm not your best friend so I can't I can coach you on what to go back to say to her but if you don't say it and you just keep letting her do whatever yeah then your needs will never be met and so if you want to continue on your path of pleasing everybody um it's gonna hurt you in the end because you won't be met you won't get your needs met i love it yes dr j you get oh yeah come on yeah I, so if you listen to what everybody was saying the answer to the question is uh you were saying why don't we know how to set boundaries, set boundaries? and stick to right them. because we were never taught to we don't have any idea how to do that. No, you do as I say and not as I do. You know? That's pretty much and it. And we're learning that. We're learning that. Uh, so as you were saying, well, and I, I was sitting here uh, making notes that I know for some of us, yes, I love the disease to please. And a lot of us run from conflict. So we set yes. a boundary yeah. with a friend. There may be some conflict that comes with that boundary. Uh, so we, we, and I'm probably guilty of that in some ways. And we we don't yeah. want to you know, uh, ruffle folks' feathers and, and whatnot. But I wanted to just say that the answer to that is that we need to learn how to do that. I don't think we, yes. in our families, for us in our 40s, 50s and things, maybe we didn't see that uh, visualization in our families. Maybe we didn't see boundaries being set. So uh, we weren't taught that. And so now I can see how we are, yeah, we're beginning to know that uh, we're becoming educated. we becoming more knowledgeable about it that we can set those boundaries that we can put ourselves first and we can say hey this is a boundary here you can deal with that or not but that is you know the boundary that you are allowed to say that I have a boundary and you are allowed to make uh, make that boundary so yeah the answer is we we didn't know how that I totally agree I totally agree. There's a whole lot of conversations that needed to be had when we were younger that you just didn't talk about. <laughs> you just didn't talk about. So now here we are as grownups trying to figure it out and then figure it out for the next generation. But this is we create these kind of spaces so that can happen. You know, um, so does anybody in all this have a question? Come on, baby. Come on up here. Come on up here. I'm not going to ask it for you. <laughs> Come on up here. Miss Kaya. Kia, Kia, I'm sorry. Kia. Here you go. <laughs> How are y'all doing? Um, so I wanted to ask the guys, um, not from you all's perspective specifically, but do you all, do your friends group um, subscribe or ascribe to the Kevin Samuels theory? Because a lot of times... <laughs> A lot of times black women say that he attacked them, um, but a lot of men are like, no, he's he's spot on. And I've even had some guy friends say that, yeah, he's making sense with the whole value system. So I just want to know you all's thoughts with your group. All right. You know, all right, I, Dr. J. <laughs> you know, it. I. Oh, Kevin Samuels, he is, he has recently, he passed rest away, yeah. rest in peace, but he had this, um, I don't know if I'm the right person to describe him, he had some, oh, a, a very different viewpoint on women and, and how women, how, how he sees women, references, yeah. To, yeah, yeah. He was, he was, he, yeah, he had a point system. And if you, if you didn't look a certain way, he was like, I don't even know why you, you have been talking. You're like a two. <laughs> yeah. If you had, yeah, if you were overweight, if he, if he felt like you were unattractive. Yeah. Go ahead, Jay. I, you know, I, Kevin Sam and, and, and. <laughs> Yeah, Kevin Samuels, I, you know, um, I, you know, a lot of stuff he said, uh, it, I don't know if it was just for the shock and awe, it was for the likes, you know, I, I will say this, in some of the aspects, I, there was some, I, I, some truths that I, I felt that was being said, but then, such as, well, well, such as, such as, 
how one carries himself and this goes both ways appearance what you like having boundaries what you like in a mate realistically and, and sometimes i think when he had the discussions his delivery was so sharp and tact yes he was very it, arrogant it, but it broke it yeah, my, I mean, to his, me, it, his it, presentation was very arrogant. I, wait, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. We got a fan. Yeah, we got a fan. <laughs> it's not, it's not, it's not necessarily what was said. Maybe how it was said. But my thing in a conversation is, even in counseling, I don't have to inspire you or encourage you to break you down or for for likes or to to dismantle you. But I just felt that Kevin Samuels, it was more for the shock and awe and not necessarily in all the truths. Now, there was some stuff that I would agree he had some truths just for that particular person that was standing on the other side. If it was a woman who may have been narcissistic or something that, no, that's not true. You can't, you, you can't do this. This is not how. But it was just the way he said it. And it just seems that a lot of times it was just more dismantling sisters than, than, than up, uplifting them. And some, and some on some of them, on some of them. But yeah, okay, yeah, I'm going to yeah. chime in, Doc. Yes, my mic is on. So I, 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 I'm not going to say I listen to Kevin Samuels regularly. Uh, and I don't but, either. Uh, you know, hearing a couple of things, and then it's always a hot, it was always a hot topic. But well, the, the, some of the things he was put is just like, he had a show, so he had to get the attention. But at the same time, he was negating what other women was loving when Steve Harvey was speaking. Because Steve Harvey was trying With to put the 90-day rule. Right? Think and like a lady, act like a man. Not to fall for the man doing this mess. But then Kevin Singh was as basically sitting up saying, how the man views you. Right? So Steve Harvey was trying to tell you it was horrible and don't fall for this and don't do this. And basically open up the diary to a man, you know, how they were looking. But the 90-day Sanders, rule, that's right, where that came from. We're sitting up here trying to tell you the truth and use a measurement. And and really, I'm not going to use two different um, man's opinions, though, was one right or the other. It's just like, hey, and, and just like we're on this radio show right now, uh, Kevin Sevens was putting it out on the radio show saying, this is how a percentage of man view or – uh, classify women as they trying to, you know, out in the field or date or whatever with the relationship. It's exposing. It's not to set up for women to say, oh, no, we're not going to do that. Or, yes, he's right. It's just it's a form of education. You know, it's just like the radio show. It's just to take in, take in bits and pieces.